Hello again, everybody. I'm Pete Redden, and this is The Way I Taught It. Next level aviation knowledge in microbursts. Well, today, I am stuck in Texas giving exams. And when I say stuck, I mean like the rest of the country dealing with brutal weather over the last several weeks. Uh, right now, the ceilings are about 300 feet. The visibility is less than a quarter mile. It's mist and rain, and it has just not been conducive lately for exams. So I figured I'd take the time and put out a podcast again on the road edition. So the production quality is not going to be great. Not that it ever is, uh, but you can expect uh, some great knowledge here uh, within the ACS and the pilot's handbook of aeronautical knowledge. And what I want to stress about today is task H in the commercial pilot airman certification standards, human factors. And human factors is also part of the private pilot airman certification standards. And when we read this, uh, it talks about the symptoms, recognition, causes, effects, and corrective actions associated with aeromedical and physiological issues, including, and it goes through and it has a list of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 12 physiological issues that you as a pilot in command, no matter whether you are a private pilot or a commercial pilot, need to know how to deal with. And then down in the bottom of skills, it says, associate the symptoms and effects for at least three of the conditions listed in K1A through K1L above with the cause and corrective action. So it's not just good enough to know what those physiological issues are, you actually have to, as the pilot in command, know how you're going to handle them if they should happen to you or to one of your passengers. And so today what we're going to do is we are going to focus on middle ear and sinus problems. And that would be K1C under the knowledge section of human factors. So middle ear and sinus problems. These are two separate and distinct problems that normally occur from the same cause. So we'll talk about that and we're going to go into the pilot's handbook of aeronautical knowledge, chapter 17, aeromedical factors. You can read the entire chapter, but we're going to roll down and we're going to talk about middle ear and sinus problems. And that's going to be on 17-5. And now the PHAC and the Airman Certification Standards kind of link these together. And when you look at the section in the PHAC, it just gives you the diagram of the inner ear. It doesn't give you a diagram of your sinus passages. And that's a bit of a disservice because if you were to go online and look up your sinus system, if you will, or your sinus cavities, you would find out that they are not necessarily directly connected to your inner ear. Uh, indirectly they are, but they are a separate part of your skull uh, inside of your head. So we know that middle ear and sinus problems are going to occur during climbs and descents. On the way up, what's happening is air pressure outside the aircraft is being reduced because the density of the air is reduced. Less density, less pressure. There's less weight on the air. There's less mass on the column of air that you're moving through the higher you go. So because of that, gas wants to escape your body. It wants to expand and it wants to escape your body through openings. So as we go up, gas, and we're gonna take the inner ear first, we're gonna take the ear problem first. Gas wants to leave the inner ear and the only way it can do that freely is 
from the inner ear down through the eustachian tube into your throat uh, or sinuses area. It's a very small tube. I don't even know how big it is um, in, in diameter, but it's probably something along the lines of uh, the size of a piece of thread connecting your inner ear uh, to your throat so that your body can naturally equalize pressure. So as we go up, air is expanding in your inner ear and is trying to push down the eustachian tube out into your throat. So this naturally uh, de-blocks, if you will, your eustachian tube because as the pressure builds, if there's anything blocking the eustachian, eustachian tube, it's gonna it's gonna push it out down through the eustachian tube. Unless it's some kind of a hard blockage, you're just super dehydrated and your mucus is just so thick, almost dry to where it can't, and that would uh, lead to a ruptured eardrum. A lot of people tend to do the valsalva maneuver. So the valsalva maneuver is when you plug your nose and then you try and breathe forcefully up into your skull and it goes into your ears and your sinuses to try and open them up. And people try and do that uh, on the ascent, on the climb. And that is probably not the best thing to do because remember, you're putting pressure into your sinuses and into your ear when you do that. And what you're really trying to do on the climb is to let that out. So chewing gum, drinking water, swallowing, moving your jaw on the climb is probably the best way to equalize that pressure uh, in the ear. Now, at cruise, you're becoming dehydrated, especially if you don't bring water with you. You're becoming dehydrated, things are drying out inside of your skull, and you begin a descent. Now, the reason why we don't fly sick is because we're gonna have an overabundance of mucus, whether it's sick or allergies causing it. We're gonna have an overabundance of mucus, we're gonna have an overabundance of thicker mucus in our skull, and copious amounts of water will be required to thin that out to allow that to drain properly. So that's why we don't fly sick because of ear and sinus blockages. So we'll stick with the ear. So now we come to the descent. Well, if you're above 6,000 feet, you are going to descend down. So 6,000 feet represents everything below 6,000 feet is the most dense part of the atmosphere. Everything above 6,000 feet is much more less dense. And we're talking in a parabolic kind of arc thing here, uh, exponentially uh, different. So if you're above 6,000 feet and your passenger experiences an ear block and you're coming down through 6,000 feet, when you crossing this below 6,000 feet, that ear block is going to get severely worse because there's more pressure, more density below 6,000 feet. And more than likely, that's going to lead to an eardrum rupture if not taken care of or if the blockage is so severe, you can't alleviate it. Now, if you're below 6,000 feet, more than likely, it's just going to lead to severe pain and probably not a rupture. But don't limit your altitude based on 6,000 feet when you're going cross country because that's not a correct interpretation of it either. If you're sick, stay on the ground, only fly when you're healthy and you know that the risk of ear block or science block is very, very low. So on a descent, air is now trying to get back into your uh, inner ear. Pressure is trying to get back into your inner ear and it's going to push, uh, you know, go in your nose, in your mouth, through the back of your throat, into the eustachian tube, and push up into the inner ear. If that column, that eustachian tube, is full of fluid, well, it's going to push that fluid up into your inner ear, and it's gonna fill your inner ear with fluid. And what happens is as the further, as you descend more and more and more and more, that pressure is gonna build, that fluid is gonna stay in that ear, and it basically becomes a hydraulic vice or a hydraulic hammer against 
the inner ear and the eardrum. So as you come down, the pressure is going to build. Now, a couple of things here. If your ear is still cracking, if you can still hear and feel movement of air in your eustachian tube, you can certainly try and Valsalva to try and help clear the eustachian tube to help get air pressure into your inner ear as opposed to hydraulic pressure or liquid pressure. But once that movement stops, that clicking and cracking stops, you're now in a bad scenario because you have a fully blocked eustachian tube, fully full with fluid inner ear. And what's gonna happen is the further you descend, the more pressure is gonna build to a point that the eardrum could now rupture because of the pressure inside of the ear pushing out against the eardrum. Now, personal experience, I had a double ear block while I flew in the Air Force. I was on a KC-10. We flew through a very uh, smoky region in Asia. That smoke got up into my sinuses and into my skull. It gave me an allergic reaction. I drank water, I did all the things. I went and flew the next day, and I went and flew the next day, and I ended up on the descent getting a double ear block, and I was stuck uh, in a country in Asia for six days while I recovered from that ear block. And luckily, my flight engineer was able to adjust the pressurization in the aircraft to prevent my ears from bursting. So you can see on the way down that that is very severe. Now, what happens if this occurs to a passenger? Well, before, if you realize it on the descent, go ahead and stop. If you realize, if you realize it on the climb, stop the climb if you can. Level off, let the passenger try and work it out. Chew gum, drink water, move your jaw, do the Valsalva if it is appropriate to do the Valsalva and try and clear it up and then continue on your climb or descent. Let's say in the climb, you can't get it cleared up. Well, your flight's over, turn around and land before it gets any worse because at that point, the worst thing that's gonna happen is maybe some pain, maybe go see the doctor, maybe go talk to the doctor about medicine or decongestants to help you, but that's medical information. It's, it's not my expertise, so I won't talk on that. So go see a doctor about that. Now, if you're in a descent and the ear, the inner ear and the station two were blocked and it is blocked 100%, there's nothing you can do about it. Well, you can do the slow descent to begin with, but in the end, the pain level is just going to be further across time. And I don't know anybody who likes to be in pain across time. Most people just want to get it over with, kind of like ripping a Band-Aid off. So if you're in the slow descent, you realize at that point, okay, the slow descent's not going to work. The passenger's not keeping up with the descent. You've leveled off multiple times. You've tried to clear this up. You've climbed a little. You drank water. You've chewed gum. You've done all these things and you know for a fact that the ear is blocked or both ears are blocked before you descend any further it's time to think about this as an emergency situation you have a passenger that is not clearing their symptoms or not clearing their blockage and you as a pilot can no longer do anything for them. So it's time to declare the emergency, uh, tell air traffic control it's a medical emergency, that it is an ear blockage, and that you would like to have medical personnel, the ambulance, somebody on the ground to call 911, coordinate with the tower, and bring that ambulance onto the field so that as soon as you shut down the motor, that that passenger can receive medical attention because they are going to be in excruciating pain. I know this from personal experience. So you begin the decent. Now, I would no longer fly gentle uh, or shallow or what have you. I would fly 
normal air speeds, normal descent rates uh, once you realize that everything is blocked. I wouldn't go any faster, but I wouldn't go any slower because you don't want to prolong the pain, but you don't want to exacerbate it either. So start those normal descents um, coming down, start normal air speeds, do your checklist, be disciplined, call ahead, declare the emergency, get the ambulance on the field so that when you arrive, if it's not already on the field waiting for you when you shut the engine down, that it's in route and your passenger can get the care that they need. Now, for sinus blockages, it's a little different. Sinus blockages, what's happening up in your sinuses, and I'm doing this very much pilot. Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not giving medical advice. I'm just trying to give you a way to understand and explain what's going on from a pilot point of view. You have uh, four chambers, uh, two above your eyeballs, two below your eyeballs, either side of your your nose, and then just uh, behind or slightly above your eyebrows. And those sinuses are up there. You know, they're I guess they're cleaning your skull out. You know, they're making sure that you don't get sick. Your, your allergens, they're, they're getting allergens out of your face. They're, they're keeping your skull clean. I guess that's the best way I can describe it. Um, but those are membranes and membranes swell. So they swell when they get infected. They swell when they have an allergic reaction. When they begin to swell, especially if you're going up in the atmosphere and outside pressure is reducing, air density is reducing, those sinuses can swell if they're irritated or infected. And what they do is they swell to a point where they will physically close off the hole that connects them to the back of your throat uh, and to your nostrils. And and that hole will physically close shut. And then you get a backup of mucus. And so now you kind of have a layer of mucus across that and it is suctioned shut. Um, So as you're going up in the atmosphere, not really a big deal because that pressure will build up in your sinuses and it will force its way out the hole for the way the sinuses are shaped. Uh, Again, if you feel that sinus pressure, you're going to get the headache, um, water, copious amounts of water, all that good stuff. And if you feel it on the ascent or your passengers are feeling it on the ascent, level off, stop the ascent, don't go any higher, turn around, land, and be done with your flying day because you're just asking for even more problems the further you go with this. So now as we fly up and we have equalize the pressure in the sinuses, but now the sinuses are swollen shut and they have that mucus layer that's causing a suction to prevent anything from moving in and out of the sinus. Now we start the descent. And as we start the descent, everything starts to try and equalize again, just like in the inner ear. So now pressure is going in your nostrils, pressure is going in your mouth to the back of the throat. It's trying to push its way up into the sinuses, but that sinus passageway is now swollen shut and it's also shut with moisture uh, to to really slam it shut. And the sinuses are beginning to get crushed by the pressure from around your skull. And, and, it's, and it's crushing those sinuses and that's where the pain comes from. So what we need to do is we need to force pressure or air up into our sinuses. And the best way to do that is with the Valsalva maneuver. And that's more what the Valsalva maneuver is for, is to plug your nose, 
compress, breathe into the back of your throat, up into your sinuses, keep your mouth shut, create that pressure differential to push through the swelling and push through the suction created by the mucus and push pressure up into your sinus cavities. Now, those membranes are, I would say, compared to the eardrum, or comparatively speaking, are much tougher, they're much thicker, they're they're much more able to be abused as compared to the eardrum, which is very easily perforated. And so you can put some pressure behind there and, and push that pressure up into your sinus cavities. And normally you can clear it out even if there's a, 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 a complete blockage. You can usually break through the blockage pretty easily when you're doing that Valsalva maneuver and clearing your sinuses on the way down. Now again, what happens if whether it's the ears, the inner ear blockage, or if it's the sinus blockage, you know, what are the symptoms? Well, there's going to be pain. There's going to be watery eyes. There's going to be pulling at the ears. The ears may be red. There's going to be rubbing of the face on either side of the nose, up on the forehead. There's going to be uh, verbal cues. Uh, my ears hurt. My face hurts. My nose hurts. My skull hurts. My eyeballs hurt. I'm feeling a lot of pressure. All these things are cues that there's a blockage going on. So you try the Valsalva, you try water, you try chewing, you try all that stuff and nothing works. Again, with the sinus blockage, basically this is not medical science I'm sharing with you. It's just my visual of what's happening. The sinus cavity is getting crushed and it's because there's a vacuum in there or a partial vacuum, it's pulling the membranes away from the bone of the skull. So that's where that pain is starting to come from. So call ahead, declare the emergency, get 911 called, get the ambulance there, get the EMTs there so that when you shut that engine down, you know, fly your normal speeds, fly your normal descents, make it as short as possible, but don't do anything dumb, different or new that you're not used to because you just make the situation worse. Fly within your capabilities, fly within your skill set, get the passenger on the ground, and then have that ambulance there ready to take care of them uh, immediately because they will be in a lot of pain. The bottom line on all this is make sure you understand the human factors, the physiological aspects of being a pilot. It's demanded by the Airman Certification Standards, and so it's the demanded on the exam and it's demanded that you just don't know what those factors are but how to help your passenger overcome them and what are you going to do in that scenario as a pilot i would also encourage you to read the aeronautical information manual chapter eight because it also discusses medical facts for pilots and it'll talk about the effects of altitude it will talk about ear block it will talk about uh, sinus block, hypoxia. So make sure that you read AIM uh, chapter eight in the aeronautical information manual because it actually follows along directly with the airman certification standards on what the topics are and kind of what you need to know. And it does present it in a uh, how do you handle the situation as opposed to just general information. So again, I'm Pete Redden. This is another episode of The Way I Taught It, on the road edition. No production into this one. It's just going straight to the stream. I referenced the Airman Certification Standards for both commercial and private pilot under human factors. We referenced the Pilot's Handbook of Aeronautical Knowledge, and we referenced the Aeronautical Information Manual, Chapter 8, or Section 8. 
I hope that helps you. I hope that gives you a understanding of how you should look at each individual human factor or physiological incident that could occur to you or to your passenger as a pilot in command of an aircraft. And I hope that helps you understand what's expected on the exam. And I hope and wish you success if you should ever run into something like this while you're flying with your friends or family.